religion, politics, philosophy, and science. You will be challenged. You will question everything you thought you believed. Prepare to be. Everybody, welcome back. Back again, analyzed. What episode number are we on, Thomas? Do you know? Uh, 17. Like, 17. Yeah, 17. Woo. Didn't, I mean, it doesn't feel like we should be that far. This you man, know, but it, that's prime. Yeah, yeah. I heard a, uh, someone say the other day that uh, most podcasts don't make it past, I think it was 12. So we, I believe we, it. We've, we've done it. We're, we've, we're successful. Yeah. Word. Well, you know, and I think tonight's going to be a fun episode. Uh, we didn't really have a lot planned. And, uh, I, you know, I, I just recently met someone online who uh, through some friends that are uh, into the occult and some stuff like that. And uh, just really interesting ideas coming from uh, from this person, Sean here. And I'm just fascinated by it because it's a lot of stuff that I feel like I've been um, being led to. These conclusions that he's come to are very similar to the stuff I'm being led to, but it's by my intuition. As I study and look at the world around me, I get this intuitive feeling. Um, and I, I, I don't know how to describe it. You know, it's, 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 uh, really interesting. And so, uh, you know, I, I don't even know how to really intro um, <laughs> these ideas to you guys, because the, like, these are things that I've been stewing on for the past two years and I don't have anywhere to take them. Like, I don't know. I don't have the faintest idea. I've been pouring a lot of time into study of ancient uh, religion and ancient history. Um, but I think Sean has me really, uh, He's got some some hours on me on this stuff. And so I think he's going to be able to pull out some of the things I've been trying to say for a while. And uh, I think it's going to be cool to hear um, maybe his how you guys probe some of his his ideas. And so I kind of want to step back and kind of moderate this episode. And we're having the mystic anarchist takeover. Wait, wait, wait. What if we like just agree with him? Then what? You might, but now I think that's the interesting thing because me and him have had some conversations about particularly Satanism, and we have two uh, identifying Satanists on this line. So I'm very interesting to hear like uh, the things I've heard Sean say about that is uh, Satanism is counterproductive because just by the name, it's building onto the it's latching onto the old narrative, the old allegory. And that we need to really just kind of cannon forward to the new stuff. And so I don't, I'm not going to say much more about that, but it's the Mystic Anarchist takeover here at Analyzed. <laughs> and I'm stoked to get as weird as I possibly can on this fucking episode. And uh, Sean is going to be uh, able to maybe make 
my silly nonsense make more sense to you guys? Because I feel like me and him may be um, kind of the dual masks to this theater that I'm trying to figure out. Uh, so there we have it. Sean Barfield, thank you for being here. Thank you guys for having me on. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, these are topics that I have been um, studying and trying to put together for a very long time. Uh, I think it's uh, very helpful to the overall general Western worldview and Western philosophy. Um, I really have four topics that I, I feel strongly deal with the Western worldview and the Western mindset. Um, in particular, uh, it's, it's explaining, uh, you know, with plenty of uh, supplemental uh, information, uh, how spirituality works in terms of what I'm doing is updating the concept or Mm, phraseology of spirituality to much more come in alignment with emotional effects. In other words, our word spirituality is a antiquated way to explain emotional effects within within humans, and our emotional uh, our emotional core, our emotional um, groupings when we form when we form teams or groups, that becomes an emotional structure unto itself. And has a certain amount of power to it. And depending on the size and age of the group, that affects the emotional effects uh, occurring uh, in that group. So I, I've sort of given this idea a name, which I, I call it Team Spirit. That's an acronym for Tribal Emotional Art Manipulation equals Spirit. What we what we anciently called Spirit is Tribal Emotional Art Manipulation or what we might call religion, or what we might modernly call propaganda. So this is all achieved through bold emotional art. Um, that, so that's one topic uh, that I help explain what I see in Western culture and what we might be overlooking. Uh, the other topic would be the Aten crisis. Uh, this is very popular within Egyptology, um, but the Aten crisis of 3,300 years ago, which was at the height of the Bronze Age. Egypt was the um, focal point of the Bronze Age economy and was the um, superpower of the known world at that time. So uh, at that time, as a superpower that reached all of the Western world, even up into the British Isles, um, there was, there was a media crisis in Egypt. There was a split between the priests of Amun and the priests of On. And so it was a media split, uh, very, uh, a multicultural media in the north and a monocultural media in the south. And this spawned the Exodus story of Egypt, the uh, biblical story. Moses comes from this Aten crisis. And the, the memory of the Exodus is a 3,000-year-old memory of this Aten crisis in Egypt. And it's now very provable with um, the reason why we didn't have the Aten story is because when it happened 3,300 years ago, Egypt deliberately wiped all memory of this event. It was such a horrible mm -hmm. political crisis. They wiped it. And so all we had was the Jewish narrative in their 
in their maintained folklore. And then now, about 100 years ago, um, we found the city of Amarna where this took place. And then, of course, King Tut. King Tut was, uh, his tomb was found, and he's the son of Akhenaten who led this Aten crisis. And so we have a, a literal, literal tons of archaeology that demonstrates here's how Judaism began. It began under the Jehudi Mosa dynasty of Egypt during the Bronze Age, the height of the Bronze Age. And so that's why it was such a memorable event is because it's retelling the collapse of the Bronze Age. It's retelling the height of the Bronze Age and how it began to decline. And so that gave us Judaism um, and then, of course, eventually gives us Christianity. But it was all done through art media. It was all done through political... Mm, art media manipulation. It was, there's no ghost characters or God characters or demon characters. We're talking about art media effects. The third topic I would, and I'm not, not that we have to cover all these things tonight, but these are my four points that I like to tell in general. The next one would be monoculture versus multiculture. So in tribal structures, whether it's a small D&D group or whether it's a large ancient religion, all tribal units function, function under two modes, either a monocultural mode or a multicultural mode. And this is well recorded in all of our greatest stories through all of human history. Every single flood myth, every flood myth from around the world is a iteration of the empire story. And, and, and in other words, flood myths should be called or are better titled empire myths. That's where one culture becomes very rich, very powerful, very monocultural, meaning they have one religion that they enforce, and they use the multiculture as labor, or abused labor, or slave labor. And so this multiculture and this monoculture finally reach a breaking point, which is what happened in the Aten crisis, which is similar to what we're experiencing right now. Right. But also, also Plato. Plato is very important to all this because when we look at what has formed the Western world and its worldview, we're looking at two main uh, philosophies. We're looking at Judeo-Christian philosophy, and we're looking at Plato. Well, Judeo-Christian philosophy comes from Egypt. Plato said he learned all of his information from Egypt. And so Egypt becomes an extreme focal point of what we're misunderstanding in the Western world. Egypt was divided into two uh, chunks. There was the monoculture in the Nile Delta in the north, and there was, I'm sorry, the multi, yeah, multiculture in the north, in the Nile Delta under the priests of On. Does any, do any of you remember who Joseph married into when he went into Egypt? What priesthood? Joseph married into the priests of On. So Joseph was yes, part of this. Yes, okay, I remember, yeah. Joseph was part of the multicultural north. What did he wear that signified him as a, as a special character? Oh, the coat. The coat oh, of many, many colors, colors multiculturalism. Yeah. Okay, so in the south was Thebes. And that's where the culture setters are. Uh, these are people who say what culture is. This is good. This is bad. We do this. We don't do that. 
That's the setting the religion or cultural or legal structure. So right. they were in the south, okay? And so Egypt in the Bible, in, in Hebrew, is called Mitzrayim. Well, Mitzrayim means the two lands, and Egypt was known as the two lands. So there was already a well-developed understanding of monoculturalism and multiculturalism or left and right thinking or male and mm -hmm. female thinking. Mono being male narcissism, which is enforcing culture through violent force. And multiculturalism is female thinking, which is nurturing through health and education. So we have these two modes of thinking. And this was present in Egypt and well documented with Egypt. But when Israel leaves Egypt, they also form two groups. There's the multiculture in the north of the ten tribes in the north. There was the multiculture under Joseph, the, the house of Joseph in the north, and then the house of Judah in the south, which was the monocultural side. And this is present in all tribal units. It, so the Bible is, mm, whether ghost characters are involved or not, this is going to happen with tribal units. You're going to have a sensation right. of male narcissism force and feminine nurturing submission, the labor type situation. So that's a third one. And then the final one is ma'at or balance. Egypt's highest philosophy was balance, uh, which they called ma'at. This ma'at balance is means equality, um, uh, truth. It's also when we talk, talk about taking a level and we make something true, we're talking about balance. Truth is much, much more means balance than than established understanding. Okay. Yeah, like like veritas, right? Like like the 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 verifying. Uh, like I don't I don't even know how to grasp that thought, but you know. Yeah, it, math. The word the word maat gives us the word math, which is yes. hey, we can math mathematically recreate this magical thing. Quantify. In other words. Yeah, if we Correct. use math, we can do magical things. And the, so Egypt, uh, this was their main philosophy from their earliest day to their last day. Whether the gods changed or not, the philosophy did not change. That was ma'at. Now, Judaism, the word for balanced truth is emet. So it's literally the same word, emet. Uh, Plato goes on to use it as uh, math uh, in in the um, Greek version of the New Testament, when it says, go and make disciples of all the earth, the word disciples is mathetes. So it's much more go and make balance masters of all the earth. It much more means let's figure out balance, the balance between male, male and female governing. Right. Doesn't, uh, doesn't so that sound so much better than the uh, evangelical ideal? <laughs> Um, maybe also, I think I see another kind of that dichotomy in a, uh, in a modern form, maybe uh, kind of like socialism versus anarchy, because um, when socialism gets really off balance, it heads into that heavy monocultural focus of, um, you know, national socialism, kind of what Hitler did so on and so forth. Whereas the other side of that coin, um, 
is more of a, 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 a liberty type view. And I think we could also see that um, modernly through, so you've got like an anarchic type of governance versus a socialist governance. And I think you could also even see that playing out not only in the history of what you were talking about, but even in like India and Asia, for instance, because, um, you know, you have the Hindu region of India, which is heavily multicultural, right? It's all these multiple different various gods. And then also the three-handed path of Hinduism, you know, you've got your three paths there. Um, it goes into even, an, uh, uh, it's, it's profound because it's multiculturalism and um, monoculturalism kind of just like eating each other continuously. It's really fascinating when you get into like Brahmanism uh, and, and then where, what is it? Hare Krishna's. And then I can't remember the last one. Is it the Shivat? I, I can't remember, but um, I see, I think we see this playing out in a lot of different things. You know, I just watched a movie and that was what made me think of like the socialist versus um, kind of libertarian anarchaic view Um this movie, The White Tiger on Netflix, it's one of the best fucking movies I've seen. And uh, it's it's like a kind of like it's it's hard to explain it, but I would call it a gangster movie. It's basically like the Indian version of Scarface. And it's incredible. But, you know, India is the, the big thing in the movie is like the, the socialism aspects of the government and you really get to see that dirty side of socialism in a sense um and it morphing into a national socialism whereas uh you know the higher and lower case cast of of india it's really um and then buddhism uh being more of a monocultural idea maybe or it's really fascinating and that's the thing i keep seeing this everywhere it is a, it's a it's a universal effect i would definitely um present uh wealth distribution in a different way than you described in terms of uh socialism versus capitalism and i would also point to all of these examples of empire stories and all of the empire stories uh it is much more of the capitalist monocultural character that is described as right. the antagonist and the more communal social characters are always 100% of the time the protagonist. So that, that would be how, how I would say, not that I prefer one over the other, but I would say according to all of these philosophical moments or, or mm-hmm. cultural crisis moments, it's always recorded, whether it's Atlantis, whether it's Exodus, whether it's Jesus story, whether it's... Um. Uh, Modern Star Wars, modern Star Wars tells the exact same empire story, is always the monocultural, rich, violent enforcers, the male side, the narcissist side, versus the multicultural, let's use resources for health and education. Rather than using resources for violent expansion, male right. male expression, we're going to use resources for the general healing of right. humanity, right, which creates a broader base. Well, and, uh, but, and keep in mind, I was, I was, prefer, I was like referring I got a lot to of questions. Yeah, I know. Hold up, but I was, <laughs> I was, I was mainly preferring to like 
when socialism is more of like a tokenized thing to build uh, like fascism. For yeah, yeah. So if we if we want to refer to, let's say, Nazi Germany and we use that term national socialist, uh, what we have to understand is that Hitler was about as far away from socialism as you could get. His desire was to create a very strict monocultural expression, even to measure human features and to get this very monocultural state. So he was not a socialist. He liked to use that language to magically convince people or right. to convince people through emotional effects. But the yeah. reality was he was a hard monoculturalist, which is nationalism, which is to say, I'm superior to others, which is what narcissism, it is a Monarchy. cult of narcissism, cult of narcissism, which is to say, we are superior to these things and these things are subject to us. Right. And this is a ongoing, and, and, and we don't have to romanticize it by one religion or another. What right. we're referring to is a tribal aging process. As a tribe gets old in a certain way, it's going to grow wrinkles. It's going to behave. It's going to slow down. So these are very natural procedures for a tribal unit. Um, so we don't have to romanticize it through religious language. But anciently, religious language is trying to tell us this symptom of tribal growth and age. Nice. So, uh, JJ, you had some some questions, right? I mean, it's just... I, I'm listening to the dialogue, and I'm sympathetic with a lot of these ideas. Um, a lot of these interesting narrative parallels that are being drawn here. I'm not someone that believes narratives drive human society. I think narratives are post-constructs, and they're constructed after the fact of events. And I think that we have a tendency to believe in them because human brains are hardwired biologically to prefer dichotomies even yeah. though dichotomies may not actually exist in the real world in some situation we will still make a dichotomy out of it i don't i don't necessarily disagree with what you're saying but um this story and this um the fact that it's pervasive through all the earth the fact that it's um right covering the same material in, the, in a, a very particular story, empire story, which is monoculturalism and multiculturalism, which is a rich ruling force through violent nature, which is what we call patriarchy, which is through the male use of gaslighting and violent force and fear. And then there's the multicultural side of things, which is the victim side of things. And and this is this is just something that's present within human nature as an individual, you're going to have a monoculture and multicultural side to yourself, which is narcissism versus empathy. And then at, at, at the tribal level, we're going to have this narcissism versus empathy. And this is what the Bible tries to get at when it's talking about treating foreigners good or uh, when Jesus is dealing with Acts chapter 15 and he's dealing with an immigration policy with monoculturalists or nationalists and multiculturalists. Jesus is allowing foreigners to enter the covenant of heirs, uh, fellow citizens and heirs, which is a mm -hmm. rapid multicultural uh, influx of immigrants who get quick access to the promises of Abraham, which so included... In, so in any system where there's a, a, a uh, inequality of power, is the 
group that is in, that holds the power always going to be monocultural? There, it is a it is a um, polarity. So you're going to have different degrees of monoculture and multiculture. So a culture may begin in, let's say, a nice even degree of a pretty balanced society where everybody feels generally nurtured. It doesn't have to be perfect, but if if everybody feels generally nurtured or given attention, because wealth is just a token of attention. What we're talking about is distributing attention. Uh, so it, att- mass attention sort of speeds up time and say, okay, once we decided to put mass attention on flight, we have a rapid development of flight. If we do that to housing or health or education, we get that same experience. Sure. I'm just asking, in a situation, because you're talking about you know the mono, idea of a monoculture and patriarchy, and mm-hmm. narcissism, a sense of superiority. Mm-hmm. Um, are all power inequalities going to follow that pattern? Like, can, is it a default that it must go that way? Well, the fact that we as humans actually uh, fundamentally are male and female. We are fundamentally two different things as one thing. Yeah, so, I don't think that's true. Well, I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, let's say, if we're talking about terminology, in um, w- what I'm saying is, yes, according to modern science, according to all of the stories, we do have a monocultural, multicultural experience in various degrees. So we could have one culture that's extremely monocultural uh, or extremely multicultural or, you know, somewhere in between. Well, yeah, this uh, is just, this seems like an example of simply like prescribe, uh, ascribing ourselves to an apparent dichotomy because it's convenient to see when it actually might well, not be reflected in reality. Okay, this will help. The, are you fam- familiar with the Pareto principle or the 80-20 rule? Yes, I am. Okay, that is a natural process. That is a natural process that occurs all through nature, that occurs all through life. It's a fundamental dichotomy in life functions between a 20% that provides 80% and an 80% that provides 20%. And this is a, a natural representation of the monocultural, multicultural effect. That doesn't mean that you're... Mm, when we start talking about these people are evil and these people are good, we don't have to get that romantic with it. We just have to understand the effects well, that it causes. Well, here's an idea because I think this is what uh, there's, this is people are kind of like the language starts to get weird around this stuff because of the cur- current cultural climate. But here's the thing. What if maybe perhaps um, these are these are learned behaviors mm-hmm. through um, maybe the way our brains develop and form based on things like trauma, like intense mm-hmm. fear, intense pleasure. Sure. Um, those things may be determining factors on how maybe perhaps the chemical balances of testosterone and estrogen for instance sure i I don't disagree i'm not uh i however the physical process occurs that's fine Uh, i'm just saying that according 
to our historic narrative in, in many, many cultures, this is the effect that we're talking about. It's understood in modern psychology right, and yeah, sciences yeah, I mean, and so on. But yeah, I'm, I'm not uh, discounting well, the things like what you're describing. I'm just saying this is a permanent effect well recorded in human history. Totally. We need to deal with it somehow. And there's yes. a lot of things that well, explain I think, it. I think where a lot of the confusion lies is, um, and this is where we, when you were talking about kind of like how this narrative plays out, the narrative isn't the, the factor that controls everything. It's the emotional state of the human beings correct, and their cooperative e effort. So what you're seeing with narrative and what you're co essentially calling like art propaganda, those mm -hmm. are the product of the narrative, right? And Correct. we build we build those patterns. So let's say a story is a pattern, right? You can mm -hmm. literally mathematically equate a fucking story, right? Mm -hmm. You can mm -hmm. we do our brains just do that. They they mm -hmm. pull out the ratios. So yep. with it does the same thing with story. And it's just this is the stuff that our attention latches on to is these mathematical geometric geometrical states or uh yeah shapes and forms and right. so our expressions of that or that that come through uh that function with it that are in relationship with it i don't know how to mm -hmm. they uh, they they fuck around and get weird. I don't know, but I uh, I think I understand what you mean, and I and I might say something that may explain what you're describing. In that, yes, the stories that we get do affect us to think those ways. And I think your question might be, well, can't we rewrite stories to better affect things? And redirect I, redirecting yeah. the attention. I think, yes, I think saying. that's, yeah, and yes, I do believe that can be done, and I believe it's done through large art media houses. The right. Egypt's uh, success was due to a great number of very large art media houses, or what we call religions, or what we call gods. These are marketing outlets. These are media outlets. And, and so, academia, academia and education fall under this. Yes, the, uh, their, their god system was actually called regional gods. And so it was very similar to our American schools where you have the, the Elgin owls and mm -hmm. the so-and-so so alligators and the pirates and the so on, is they're putting out a cultural narrative for that area. And that mm -hmm. uh, some of that art creates a, a cohesive sensation of a, of a team, and then you, uh, that helps direct energy and direct attention. And that's really what we're aiming for is directing directing attention to accomplish things or what we call what Judaism calls tikkun or tikkun olam, which is eternal repair or eternal building. And this is what we get when we talk about carpenters with Jesus. He was not working with wood. He was dealing with deep Jewish philosophical concept of tikkun olam, which is eternal repair, eternal building. And this word tikkun gives us our word technology. That is the combining of two lower things to generate a new higher thing, sort of an evolutionary process through technology. And we see that with our flood myths, where Noah takes a certain new high degree of technology, which is large shipbuilding, and he uses technology to save the multiculture. He builds a safe, safe, safe place for the multiculture away from monocultural violence. 
so now, too with well, go ahead is that the like i don't feel like it's saying that at all that's fine I, and uh, yeah i'd have to cover a lot more material to sort of flesh that out but uh, well for instance uh you you would say the the multicultural okay so what we have the flood story we have in the bible mm -hmm. that is um based off of a monocultural thing but it's not always been like the god Jewish only people have to always one family monocultural yeah but that's you that is totally through a protestant english monarchical king james lens when you start did, actually did studying god or did Hebrews god belief, not is the in the literature does it or does it not say that god saved one family and majority of them yes and but here's what, what, the thing what, I, what i'm referring to is he saved the animals of the earth which has always represented the many nations of the earth so he the multicultural uh, side of what i'm saying is one family used technology to save the multicultural of the earth which is the animals when we talk yeah. about um right. The now Gentiles. That, that seems like painting a bullseye around a target, though. Well, <laughs> to me, that it is where, historically where, proven that Judaism did not start as a monocultural religion. Well, from my best understanding, the Israelite culture came from Canaanites. Like, and that's been shown with genetic lineage tracing. Like, there was no Egyptian exodus. We'd have to cover the Aten crisis to deal with that. I mean, like, and, do you think that there was an actual exodus of Hebrew people from Egypt to the land of Canaan? They probably there were was, Hebrews there at was, that point. There were two uh, significant migrations in what we call the Hyksos or shepherd people. Yeah, but um, the Hyksos migration nope. occurred 200 years before the Aten religion, when it was yes. big. Yes, there was also... Um, Two additional exodus recorded, which the traditional, the traditional um, ousting of the Aten cultural revolution, which we all know as as the Jewish exodus into Jerusalem. However, there was an additional exodus, much smaller, that we don't um, know that much about, which was the exodus of the daughter of Akhenaten, Scotia. Scotia took a significant portion not as big as the exodus but they went north into spain they hung out there for a generation or two and then ended up in scotland and scotland's own ancient history puts themselves as yes we are the daughter of akhenaten or we are the uh, lineage of akhenaten uh but from that's the, not what the exodus story talks about right the, the exodus stories covers the um bulk aten uh, culture to Jerusalem. There's another uh, story maintained through uh, Scotia who went um, to Scotland, and that's how we get the Scots, is from this Aten crisis of Egypt, which we do have uh, King Tut's jewelry in Scotland, found in Scotland uh, in that time frame. So there was already a trade route all, all through the West, but there was already an Egyptian trade route to Scotland. And so this, uh, this idea of Egyptian Bronze Age rule stretched much further than we think. And the reason why Judaism and Christianity struggle so hard to prove their art credentials as what we call Messiah 
that is the Jehudi Mosa heir, is they're trying to re-establish this Western cultural authority through Egypt. They're trying to re-establish um, that Egyptian cultural authority, what we call Jehudi Mosa or Jewish Messiah. I know no Christians that think that. I know, because it's completely been washed off of the face of all of it. The only places you can find this are the occult and like Judaic Kabbalah. It's, those are the only places that they and turned Rosa it into a Christianism, Rosicrucianism right. well, has this. Right. Uh, Mas- and I say that. Some of it. I'm using yeah, occult as a blanket statement. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. It's all there, saying. but it, it gets totally washed over because of um, the really wild ass spiritual um, questioning and explore, uh, exploration of the time mixed with also bad actors and con men mm-hmm. uh, interweaving their narratives and propagandas into the religion as well. And it's a deep very... passage of time, a deep passage of time has occurred. So we're, I, I not, in all honesty, I think it's cool that we kind of kept the story halfway decent. But the reality is there was a major political crisis in Egypt that usurped the Jehudi Mosa cultural authority of that time, which then fractions into a European supremacy culture and a uh, Jerusalem supremacy culture. And I don't mean that in a hateful way, but that they truly believe that they had the right to control cultural authority or the Torah or law or covenant. And so they felt supreme in that in that cultural authority through art this occurred the, that, that's all they had to prove their lineage when you don't do cultural authority through proof through science and math you're left with lineage proof which is you may not be good but you're in charge that's a bad way to run things and that's what's happened with spirituality right. is like, we don't run go ahead i feel like it's really easy to get into the weeds here Yes. Sure. And um, I was actually about to try to move on. Sure. Totally. I mean, yeah. And when we started with me describing four topics without necessarily picking right. one. And well, I, we think, could... I think we should maybe go back to a little bit to like your breakdown of team. Sure. Yeah. And, I also uh, think that. And the um, kind of the, the idea of emotional effect. Sure. I, I think so too. And, and the, the Aten crisis, which deals with all of Judaism, I think that, that is a, definitely a show unto itself at the very least. But right. in terms of team spirit, this starts to get down to the functional level of what we're talking about with religion. And so what we're looking at is art art and media strongly affecting uh, affecting us. And that goes from a very small level to a very, very high level. So again, we might have a small team of D&D players or a band, or a fandom from a band, and they will have certain clothing that they wear. Subcultures. Certain, so yep, subcultures. And they will, they will fight with each other based over these simple art motifs. We'll have, you know, there's not enough distortion in the guitars, they're sissies. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so there's this conflict over art expression, or, or what's called cohort setting. So you're basically forming a cohort when you start using art media to make a team. And what you're wanting to achieve through a cohort 
is an economy. You want to make an economy. So these are people I can communicate with. These are people I can trade with. These are people that I can sing with, even though they might live in a different state or really far away. I've used art media to form a cohort with these people. And so I'll be able to reasonably communicate and trade and form an economy. And so that process goes from a small town level with the uh, the uh, Lawton Bulldogs, and they have their certain team unit, and then it might go up to a state level. So we might have like national sports and have like the Dallas Cowboys, and they have this whole emotional art structure around them. Then we might move up to nations, which is when we start getting with flags and national anthems and all of the emotional effects that go along with a nation and all of the extreme emotion that we see related to flags and songs and respect. That's part of that cohort building for that layer of human grouping. And then we get up to a religious level. And so we have almost sort of um, global reaching emotional structures. And these take a long time to build. And, but they're also strongly enforced. I mean, it's a very, at that point, it's very deeply rooted in you. And so it's, for an example, it might be very hard for a Christian to say, I don't believe, I, I, I no longer believe in a God or, or profane the name of the Lord. And there's a strong emotional structure that prevents, I'm not going to change from my team, which provides a huge economy. Uh, for me, if I play along. And right. so this is what we know as propaganda. Uh, it's understood uh, the Tula Society that sort of was in Germany at that time and was misused by Nazi Germany. They called this emotional effect uh, Vril, which is very, it was described very similar to, similar to Star Wars's. Um, the force. It was a very similar description of balance in the force. But this is an emotional balancing. Um, so for team spirit, it's, uh, what we're talking about is this whole system of spirituality is just a more archaic explanation of how art media affects humanity. And I think the earliest person that I've seen describing this effect well is Plato. When Plato goes to write his Atlantis story, it's not for fun. It's not for myth. Uh, that was his thesis on how gods and cultures work. This was Plato's sort of final work to explain, okay, here's how societies and cultures work, and here's how gods interact with that. And he did not. Um, he explained that the effect of the gods was what's translated as trend and fashion trend in fashion. So he understood that this art media effect is how gods function and guide humanity like a shepherd or like a rudder guides a ship is how he described it. So he said uh, the gods at their purest and original form never used violent force to guide the people. In other words, there was no need for policing. There was no need for violent direction that the gods were smart enough to use art media to peacefully guide humanity into functional um, states of not lacking in any area. So if, you need, if your area needed new schools, bada bing, you got new schools. If your area needed uh, more care areas or, or food or whatever, there was a media that was used 
to guide people to focus in new areas rather than whipping people to focus in new areas. So uh, this is not something that Sean came up with two weeks ago and thought it was neat, is that this, is, this has been used and understood uh, for a very long time. For instance, when Moses left Egypt, the first thing he created was a media outlet. The tabernacle was a 24-7 right. media we, outlet. We, we've talked about this didn't happen. What didn't happen? The Moses Exodus. Uh, not, I, I've, to, to, the best of, to the best of historical consensus, it is agreed that that did, was not a real historical event. Uh, to clarify, to clarify, to clarify, I'm referring to the Aten crisis of Egypt, which resulted in the exaggerated story of the Exodus. So I'm not saying that, yes, everything happened as the Bible said. No, not at all. I'm saying that there was a actual natural political event that spawned the exaggerated story. Of and the then Exodus. there was propaganda written around yes, it. Yes, yes. I'm not saying yeah, and redeveloped and redeveloped and redeveloped. I'm not even like I'm. I'm I don't have. I haven't spent as much time as uh, as the others uh, as you have clearly. But like I've done a little bit of reading. And Are you familiar not, with the Aten Aten crisis? Are you? I very have familiar? heard about it, and I'm Are not you familiar sure. with Akhenaten? The Egyptian pharaoh? Yes. A little bit. But there's okay, not, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just not seeing a place where there's clearly a historical evidence that the Aten crisis occurred and they all left and became a part of Judaism. Like there are people that don't believe that have heard that and are experts in the field and disagree with that assessment. I, I, I can appreciate that, but... Uh... According to my research, you know, according to the information I've covered, understanding. Now, I grew up in studying uh, Jewish uh, mythology and and philosophy and Kabbalah, uh, Essenes, and so on. Um, I do agree with you that the event uh, didn't occur as the Bible says. What I'm saying is there's plenty of evidence, if you take the time to look at it, that Mass uh, the, plagiarism. the Aten crisis uh, is the origin story of the Exodus. No, uh, it didn't. Uh, there was no pillar of fire and yada, 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 yada. But yes, there was an origin point to the, and, and it's not only just for Judaism. There's other cultures that run off of this Aten crisis as well. So um, I can appreciate, uh, you know, different thoughts on it, but uh, I, I'm, uh, everything I've seen is very convincing in terms of the Aten crisis, giving us the Adon. Jehudi Mosa Adon crisis, or Aten crisis, gave us the Yehudi Moshe Adon crisis. So the, the Jehudi Mosa kings became the Yehuda Moshe uh, culture of, of Jerusalem. So, uh, and then there's so much uh, we could cover on that. I don't want to... Uh -huh. Get in the weeds again, but he, uh, there's plenty of proof that the Aten crisis gave us Judaism. Also, let me reflect it this way, too, because modern Judaism, a lot of modern Jewish people will essentially basically I've heard Jewish people talk about essentially being atheistic or um, agnostic in their actual beliefs, but they still practice Judaism as a religion. 
um, based on the fact of they don't necessarily worship a spiritual God in the sky or a celestial being. They, uh, they worship an allegory. They worship the, the, the law. The law is an allegorical uh, form. I mean, it, it's, it's a piece of art. And what's happened um, culturally around the entire planet, and I mean, it, it's just common sense because you can literally just, if you do enough research on each mythology, it's like, okay, Loki, uh, the Loki narrative is exactly the same as the Jacob narrative, which is exactly the same as the Thoth, the Egyptian god, and Hermes, the Greek. I, I mean, they just, they all are the gods of the same stuff. Mm-hmm. And so and as far back as religion goes and what's, I believe what's happened is I, I think maybe one of the closest ideas is kind of the stoned ape theory. Um, because once, when you have a transcendental experience, uh, it, it, you know, boundary disillusionment happens. Uh, you see GM, ha. Geometric. geometric geometric yes thank you um bleh. you see geometric patterns in very different ways i mean like they like if you're taking a psychedelic mushroom and you close your eyes you will see textile geom geom uh geometric patterns so um essentially i'm saying that religion was a stepping stone in our neurological development over a really long period of time. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't even necessarily call it a stepping stone as so much as uh, this is our emotional structure. It's an effect. I mean, maybe, yeah. it's, it's, it's an effect in terms of, you know, birds flying in groups and making moves and things in such a way and fish in the same fashion. Uh, this is just part of our emotional structure in terms of, being able to communicate with each other. And then what happens is we have advancements in technology. That's, mm-hmm. that's the real critical point is, are we focusing our unit, our tribal unit, to be prepared for upcoming crises? And so a lot of these flood myths and, and um, empire stories are saying, oh, man, we should have focused our attention on healthcare systems instead of focusing our attention on weapons to kill each other. For instance, mm-hmm. Joseph was given all the power of Egypt through an art symbol. He was given an art piece that says, all right, Joseph, you're in charge of all the means of production and everything. We think you're pretty smart. You run Egypt. And so Joseph has the option during a weather crisis. So there's a climate crisis. And Joseph has the option to build walls and weapons to fend off foreign hordes. Or Joseph could build mass systems of welfare. Joseph builds mass systems of welfare. And then he opens borders and then all foreigners could come in. These foreigners eventually gave every ounce of wealth that they owned to that system. And then in, in, in return, they were given the means of production to produce clothes and, and to, they were given tools and so on to, to work. And then they were taxed with a partial wealth redistribution of one-fifth. And so there was a communist entry fee, there was a socialist maintenance fee, and there was a, the capitalist four-fifths of your wealth went to yourself 
in, in house building for yourself. And so there was no weapon systems built in this weather crisis or this natural crisis. There were vast systems of social safety net that was built to save humanity, very similar to what we see in the Noah story. And that is, again, Joseph from the, monoco- uh, the multicultural north um, who did this. And that, that, that pattern of Joseph and north and multiculturalism uh, passes through Egypt, through right. Judaism. And so we already agree, though, that most of this stuff didn't happen. These are just stories. Oh, definitely. That's fine. I mean, That's fine. You can, okay. you, th- there's speculation to how legitimate the stories are, but I mean, and, 90% and of them are political yes. criticism. And, and there the are many types of, of stories that have time. tropes. Mm-hmm. That's correct. In fact, Star I mean, Wars is a very fake. Star I, Wars I, is a very fake story, but it tells the same story. It's this referring all feels so trivial. That's fine. It might until you you uh, have to deal with conspiracy theories burning down the Capitol. Essentially, what he's I think what because this is what the thing is is I like for me, and that's what I've been asking is like. I really had needed to figure out the why before I could figure out the how to move on. And with half of the country being where I was uh, eight years ago, um, that's a frightening thought. I mean, we had a we had a president who was essentially uh, fascist. I mean, you, I don't, I don't, I can't argue against that. I, and and people who get mad about that, I don't give a shit. Yeah, I think, I, mean, I know think Donald Trump's not there. this fuck. Yeah, but when a when a national socialist can use religion and mysticism, like Hitler did, and like Donald Trump is doing, and like Mussolini did, I like when I I listen to some stuff about the life of Mussolini, and I mean Trump was just pulling Mussolini moves. Like the majority of the time, I mean, goddamn, he t- he quoted him on Twitter like during his first <laughs> campaign. But and to, go ahead. To clarify, um, what we're t- referring about is the art of nationalism. This was achieved through nationalism, which is uh, American exceptionalism or white supremacy. These are supremacy or narcissist cultures, and the art of narcissism is used to draw them in, to make foreigners sound scary, to... And and, and, and we have to... I, I would want to clarify, and when we talk, we'll hear, I hear the term socialism used, in the Nuremberg trials, they were very aware of this art effect of nationalism, and they used that. And they said, guess what? It doesn't matter if you're a socialist, a capitalist, communist, all of that does not matter. How we achieved our evil was through nationalism, the art media of nationalism. Volkish. And so early on, Trump said, I am a nationalist. And many of his uh, cohort said, we're nationalists. We're we're America first, American exceptionalism. So it is this. I'm sympathetic to a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah, so it's the, it's the use of this again uh, in the Atlantis story. They became rich narcissists who elevated themselves over all types of foreigner. I and guess. So this, I guess what I'm wondering then is because I said some of this is just where it seems like we're talking about stories, and a lot of this I do agree with. 
you know, I, I, I certainly agree with the concerns about nationalism. And I think that the way you're describing it is interesting and does have like it. It does have some things that jump out, out at me as relational. Mm-hmm. What do we do with this information? So well, I, for me, what what of course, a, a sort of a, a larger vision of, of what this information does is, one, it gets to cleanse the palate on any religious supremacy. First off, this art emotional effect is available to all culture groups. You don't have to pass through any religion or any political character to achieve these very powerful uh, emotional effects with tribal units. So first off, it, it makes a complete level playing field for all religions and that one can't be superior to the other. Uh, what that does is it allows us to, and it's not something that could be done very easily, but it allows us to come off this 3,000-year-old artificial fight of the Jehudi Mosa kingdom. In other words, we don't have to be locked into the one God systems of Abrahamic culture. We don't have to be trapped under Judeo-Christian, any sort of Muslim, any of yeah. that stuff. We understand that now as storytelling, as emotional pushing. We're pushing people. We're not presenting logic. Uh, so we're using... Yeah. Maybe, maybe I compare... Like, are you saying that because we understand that all these stories are essentially the same type of story we can put them view them all in the same light absolutely and and that hopefully we can understand that uh, with more information like the autin crisis if we get that our heads around that that we judaism and christianity do not hold any true ghostly godly effect over us it's just an emotional experience due to a big team emotionally affecting us mm-hmm. and then we can move from we can move from religion to science that's what this has been repeated through history we go away from religion and we enter science and that I, doesn't I'm, mean go ahead i'm a fan of that i guess i'm just like why is the autin crisis a necessity to come to that conclusion I, I, no, I, that's for the Western world. The Western world, um, which holds so close to the Judeo-Christian story, that's that's something that helps the Judeo-Christian culture say, you right. know what, this was a political crisis. There was no gods involved. Yeah. Okay, I get it. We can move on now. And that that's essentially what I've had to come. Yeah, and it's been happening to me as well. Uh, I mean, I still sometimes pray, um, but you know that. It, and this is what I, I, I believe prayer has a lot less to do with the God I'm praying to and more about like um, why I'm praying. And, and it's an emotional it's more, effect. Of it's more directing for me. Attention. Yeah. It's more for me. It's a magical practice. It's a magical ritual. And here's the thing I find interesting. And this is what, because the, what you just described, the kind of way to outwork of work out of the, um, the religious facets. And, you know, you just went through that whole rundown. What I see, a glimpse of that I see, and I'm not saying that they're perfect at it, is you have so many uh, groups that focus on like forms of gnosis, gnosis and and, uh, esoteric um, societies and so on and so forth. And that's a lot of what they do. If you look at a lot of the rituals, like the ritual of the hoodwink, okay, basically um, 
the film V for Vendetta walks that out, right? Uh, have you guys seen V for Vendetta? Yeah, a long time ago, yeah. <clears throat> but Evie, this young lady, um, she thinks that she gets like her and then V, the, the, um, I don't, he's, he's, I don't even know how to archetype him because he's, he's like a, uh, uh, anti-hero or, or rather he's the anti-villain. Okay. Um, but he ha- goes through this process where he meets this, this woman who works at uh, a propaganda station where, you know, it's like the B- it's essentially pointing at the BBC and it's the government based, you know, propaganda machine. And he meets this woman who works there and he's trying to blow up uh, the parliament and, you know, based on what Guy Fox was trying to do. And <clears throat> she eventually, you know, he saves her life and then uh, he kidnaps her. And he puts her through this process of thinking she's been nabbed by the government and tortures her and all this crazy stuff. And he writes these, uh, he found this, this story and there's the story of this woman who was, um, she was lesbian and she was in love with another woman. And since that happened, they snagged them and she ended up in a concentration camp and it's this powerful story. And uh, eventually she finds out that it was all a lie and she has a meltdown. But then she, uh, after she has the meltdown and he goes through the monologue of why he did it, um, not saying any of it's valid, but it's, it, this whole plot of the movie is the hoodwink. The Freemasons do it. I think some of the other occult, uh, esoteric groups do it, but she asks, were the letters real? And he said, yes. He said, those letters were the only real part of what I did. And what it was, was he was, t- that was a humanist uh, moral to the story is that we don't need these, uh, these made up things if we can just learn to connect to the beautiful part of you and me. And that can be the thing that, that we have spiritual experiences because she does, she, that whole, she has the meltdown and then she walks out onto this balcony and it's pouring rain. And she's covered in rain and she says, God is in the rain. And she raises her hands and she screams. And it's this awakening in her that she's no longer afraid of this, uh, this like fascist, you know, tyrannical government. She's willing to fight this, this fight. And for the sake of blowing up the ultimate symbol of the monarchy. Yeah, the monoculture multiculture is a narcissism Stockholm experience. So the narcissist monocultural violent force generates a Stockholm experience right. for the multiculture. And so uh, much it's much more of the multiculture side to say, I'm finally going to step out of this Stockholm syndrome. I'm going to be brave enough to speak a different narrative than the mono. And, and this is what we see when we pass from Egypt to Exodus, that the, the, the cultural setting, the laws of Egypt, once they leave, Moses says, we're setting a new culture. We're speaking a different narrative than Egypt. Same for Jesus when he left the nationalism of the Shammai Pharisees. The Shammai Pharisees were deep nationalists. And when he left, he created a new narrative. We're going to have a more multicultural 
narrative in a new covenant. And when we have constitutions and covenants, that's what we're talking about. We're exiting an older culture and we're generating a new, more multicultural experience. A more equal experience is usually, if not almost always, the experience we have when we're making new covenants or new constitutions. And that's why the Enlightenment period, when we see the Enlightenment um, directed our founding fathers in writing these things, is they were wanting to recreate the polytheism of Egypt. Our greatest monuments in America are not Christian monuments. They're very boldly Egyptian monuments in Egyptian multiculturalism and Egyptian polytheism. So the idea of America was built upon the idea of reestablishing Atlantis or Egypt, because Egypt was a supposedly a suburb of Atlantis, which is a multicultural experience. Now, Poly- you could imagine saying that, that that sounds very heterodox. Uh, to clarify. Um, I mean, I've read some founding fathers writing in my day, writings in my days. It's been a minute, though, but I don't recall them talking about this idea. Which, which doesn't mean that it's not there. I'm just maybe you could like talk a little bit more about why we should think that. Uh, there's uh, there's writings that say that Atlantis was in mind in sort of creating America. It was America America was based on the idea of reestablishing Atlantis. Francis uh, I don't Bacon. Have, thank you. So. Um, our monuments, again, are very Egyptian. When we look at the Washington Monument, we're going to see the sun disk with the wings on either side over George Washington, which was a, a symbol put over every door of every Egyptian symbol. And here in the Washington Monument over the door is that Egyptian symbol of left and right, of raw, of balance between the left and right of balance between monoculture and multiculture. And many of our founding fathers were very scared to even talk about it because the monocultural religious or Christianity would slaughter them without a question, without hesitating. So uh, it was very much, um, our, I, I think it was Thomas Jefferson. Um, he, he, he praised atheism over Christianity, so they don't, they don't, they don't kill witches by the millions. Where does their, where does their empathy come from? It's not coming from a god. What is this where they get this better virtue than what I've seen of Christians? And so uh, there was from this Enlightenment group, and Enlightenment uh, also focused on Egyptology, and you sort of have this Egyptomania uh, that passes through, you know. Uh, that type of history, even with Napoleon. So Egypt uh, has been a focal point for Jesus growing up there, Moses growing up there, Plato revered it. The Western culture looks up to Egypt. All of our great Greek philosophers and so on were looking to Egypt. Our founding fathers also looking to Egypt, as shown in our great monuments of America, which we don't have that. I mean, how much, I feel like there's a difference between making monuments to Egypt in that style and committing to this entire idea. 
That's fine. Yeah, you don't have to make that leap. I mean, you can definitely don't just immediately swallow it hook, line, and sinker. Look around at it. But what what we're referring to is there was a early beginning to be an understanding of monoculture versus multiculture. They were beginning to understand this in Europe in terms of what the hell is all of this one God fighting about? Why do we have 15 different flavors of one God's killing each other and, and, and forcing culture? Your hair has to be this way. Your clothes have to be this way. You have to sing this. You have to wear this, fly this flag. What is this weird shit about art that's going on? Mm-hmm. And so monoculturalism and multiculturalism begins to be re-understood at that time. And our founding fathers, uh, as poorly as they did in terms of still owning slaves and so on, we're still we're, we're trying to deal with this uh, tribal, very, very tribal effect, very real effect. We was just tripping, man. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's, just... it's really what it comes down to, um, because if you start looking at like the things that were going on with like the Aleutian uh, cults and um, a lot of the stuff, uh, a lot of the um, initiative groups, all the initiative groups um, throughout history and and ev- like every culture on the planet has initiatory rights every one of them uh from the amazon to uh you know southeast asia to uh scotland and they all have initiatory rights and involved with that are exercises and practices to um invoke transcendental experiences breathing techniques fasting praying uh, mantras, meditation, all of that. It's then, all there is, in the history. This and is th- true of, of bands as well. I mean, America has this through bands and, and genres of music. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're still, and it's not a mystical, There's no. there doesn't have to be ghost involved. This is an art emotional right. experience. And so we're forming deep, hard emotional um, groups or cohorts. And um, at the teenage years, when these rituals take place, a lot of times, even we see with you know modern American culture, that's just a natural process of it. At that age, you have to start forming hard cultural allegiances if you want to have an economic, uh, you know, be part of the economy. And so, even from our bands to what you described with all these rituals, these are art rituals, art performances to get you addicted to the team, faith. That's a good way to put <laughs> fucking addiction, man. <laughs> Faith is addiction. That's that's a very interesting way to put it. And I could say that's true. It's an art addiction. Harry Potter's addiction, uh, right. Star Wars addiction, Marvel addiction. Well, uh, I mean, there were points there were points where when I was playing in bands and I was, you know, in Christian metal bands and I was preaching from stage, I've had breakdowns on stage where I'm like I don't want to be a Christian anymore, but I don't know how to not be a Christian. I can't get my brain out of this. I can't get my emotional, um, uh, uh, my emotional processes to do not Jesus. You get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, this is a great example of why the world is the way it is. 
and why religious people are the way they are. And that's what I'm trying to get at. And this might be the best way. Know your enemy, right? Like, especially from you guys being Satanists. And maybe we can do a really short spill on why maybe you you had mentioned, because I, I had mentioned Satanism to you in a conversation. You kind of said something, uh, basically something along the lines of the term. It's almost, they're almost counterproductive because the term Satanism is still pointing to the old myth and the ghost, like these, um, you know, Satan is a fictional character, right? So yeah. it would be better to maybe point something not sure. at a fictional character, but I'm not I, yeah, sure. I, 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 I wouldn't say I wouldn't say Satanism negative because I've got uh, at least one Satanist friend. And all I'm saying is they're using the art media from Judeo-Christian history, which is the Satan right. character. So if the I'm not saying, you know, go for it. But what I'm saying is it's the same art trick from the same art media. Right. So, yeah, I think it would be better to just go ahead and make your own art media. It's time to make new art media. It's time to exit this old 3,000-year-old archaic I mean, uh, art isn't media. Isn't that kind of the point of Satanism is to take, like, the most hated symbol are, in Are we differentiating and... between the Satanic Temple and the Church of Satan? True. Uh, right. It might have been a, uh, a miscommunication or an unclarity on my part yeah. when I used it in the term or something. But yeah, I think I think a lot of it was just Sean was not convinced that I'm I'm kind of a uh, a ghost guy, you know, like I'm still into the ghosts. Um, I think I'm we just not, understand I it's emotional effects. We're, yeah, we're, I mean, we're, we're getting in a better place because then everybody can communicate. We all understand these effects when our yeah. music plays, when our when our guy is talking, when this ritual is being done. We all understand that. And all of these effects are available to you, whether you use ghost characters or not. Atheists experience this in its full emotional power. I am a non-theist. I don't have any God characters that I attach to. But I will cry my ass off if a certain song is playing. And I will be emotionally motivated to do things and to create art. I, my art... My career is an artist, so I'm working emotional effects through art day in and day out. And I have to have a lot of emotional strength to carry out my job. And as a non-theist, I don't need a God character to do that for me. I can just turn on a good metal song and I'm, and I'm up and moving. So do you think that non-theists still need some kind of narrative that they can present as an alternative to the narratives of old? I think is I think... The narratives of old are right in terms of balance. Everything comes down to balance or math or science. Everything comes down to math. And so an atheist or scientist can latch on with uh, spiritualists in the truth of math and, and, and balance and that we have to balance our societies. We can't stack infinite resource here and no, inf no resource here and expect uh, the society to, to hold true. It's going to spin out of control. So we can all come to agree on, uh, on mathematical balance, uh, regardless of the God character. And many God characters are just mascots for balance. Jesus was a mascot for balance. He hung in the middle between the left and the right. And uh, on the Ark of the Covenant, God spoke between the left and right cherubim. So these are all stories of balance. And yes, we can all come to agree on a, on a balanced structure. 
Any thoughts, Thomas? Honestly, most of this conversation, I think I've, I've been fairly lost. <laughs> um, to me, that almost sounds just like you pulling what you want to see out of scriptural texts, just like everybody else does. Um, to me, I'm just not really, I guess I'm not. I don't think it's that. I think it's just noticing the behavior of the characters. And, and it's not just it's not just the Bible. This is true yeah. of religions around the world, old and All new. It's not just the Bible that I, I draw and, from. Plato. And, and I would agree, it's also in the economic structures, and that's just a new like, version of the team tribalism. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Went we, from religion we, we, to politics. In some ways, like there's a lot of stuff here that I am sympathetic to. Um, some stuff I just don't know how to attach myself to it. Like you're talking about the idea of Plato and balance. And, you know, Plato was contrasted very strongly by Diogenes, who was not a character of balance, but was also brilliant. And it seems Mm -hmm. that we might just be arbitrarily picking Plato because that's what we want to pick, rather than the opinions of Diogenes. Right. Uh, my, my, my attachment to Plato or interest in Plato is because he learned from Egyptian ma'at or um, math, math or balance. Uh, also, his Atlantis story fit the monoculture, multiculture, empire stories to a T. Um, and and can, can someone say Sean's just picking what he wants out of all these stories? Yes, you, that can be said. But the it's fact the that patterns we, you've noticed, the fact that we see the effect with with bands with religions with um all the god characters all it, it just works from top to bottom and it would well, know it's, go ahead i mean i know that all of this stuff elicits an emotional response from people mm-hmm. uh, that's as, as i said that's kind of like in those ways that seems trivially true okay because yeah sure and people get emotional when they relate to the things that they form a tribe around and mm-hmm. sometimes that's countries and sometimes that's religions. And that's mm-hmm. also, I mean, that stuff is, like, is unsurprising. Like, you know, I've got the T-shirt. I'm there with you. Sure. Um, I don't see, along with, like, I'll probably, I'll spend some time and look into this. But so far, it's not looking good from the scholarly consensus that, the monotheism of uh, Judaism and, by extension, Christianity, is related to the type of monotheism from the Aten. Yeah, that would be a big topic to cover for sure. And I have not, uh, I have not spent my time trying to prove that in this. We just kind of bounced around topics. Yeah, well, if we yeah. did, if we dedicated time to that topic, we could certainly demonstrate uh, how Jehudi Mosa became Yehudi. Moshe. I that think would... it would. I think that would be interesting. Although I think that I am not qualified to offer, you know, to offer the kind of counterpoint that I would want to see right. as an outside observer sure. to be satisfied that the discussion was, you know, was sure, was sure. balanced. Well, and that's interesting too because there's a big there's a big war around like Egyptologists, and there's a big war around like there are there's psychological warfare, there's ideological warfare going on in all of this and in every group about this debate, and it's essentially like some kind of weird thing about two different types of people or uh, multiple counterbalances of personality. It's we're 
I think what me and uh, Sean are trying to really point out is, is um, there are deep, deep, deep psychological reasons why people um, are so like religious and um, the only way we can really, really um, uh, sympathize and help them are uh, if we really know what's going down to a T. I mean, cause like if somebody would have said, Hey dude, Loki and um, Jacob are the same character. Cause when I came to that conclusion that Jacob and Loki are the same narrative, I was like, Oh, it's just ancestral worship. The multicultural worship and religions um, probably were just ancestral. And that's where we get these uh, uh, polytheistic religions. We have um, a good example in, for instance, like salmon. So older salmon will have a certain deeply rooted emotional structure in the guidance back to wherever they need to go up the stream. However, if man quickly puts in a dam and now there's a stone barrier, the younger fish will hit the wall several times and then say, you know what, we got to try something new. And they'll swim and follow the new path that humans put in their way. The older salmon will beat themselves to death against that wall because that's the way they know they're supposed to go. Whales will beach themselves because the pilot whale is sick and he's the one who determines where they need to go. And this is all you know, communication or emotional uh, structures within them uh, guiding the, these um, decisions. So it's the same of religion. And, and, and I'm not bashing any religion. We're all living LARPs. We're all in LARPs. Uh, a film director may wear a certain hat and have a certain beard, and, and they're LARPing the experience of being a, a director, yeah. which, 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 we, which we, uh, is also called Lebensvelt, if you want to look that up, a German where he also described this LARPing experience. But in Star Wars, we have a certain LARP. In Judaism, we're LARPing a certain way. In Christianity, we're LARPing a certain way. This is sort of fake it till you make it is a deep-rooted principle of humanity, meaning take the lore that you have and try to act out that lore and thereby improvisation create the lore or better, better reflect the lore. And so we're all LARPing one way or another in all of our um, cultures. And we have to understand that it is a LARP. It's not something that's ghost guiding us. We, we take the information we have and we try to act it out. Um, so we got to get over this LARP experience because we're killing each other over flags and, and, and getting pissed at each other for kneeling during a ritual. And this is all weird, weird, weird behavior. Uh, we shouldn't be doing that type of divisive behavior simply because of varying art patterns and ritual right. patterns. Yeah. Damn, here we are though. Yeah. And so I, well, and that's why I loved this conversation. And, um, has anybody got final thoughts that they'd like to share? We can wrap this up. I mean, I I've enjoyed this. I nerd out on all of this. Like this is my, my sauce and, um, you know, oh, I, I tell you, these ideas need some questions. These, high tide right now. <laughs> yeah. These are, um, really interesting ideas that I think religious people need to play with more. Well, and um, the more that they play with them, uh, we might see some real th- cool things happen. I think soul and a lot of the new Pixar movies coming out right now, mm-hmm. um, are a great example of us trying to direct 
um, some new narratives and some new make some new art motifs that might be a little bit better. Yeah, my you opinion know. is Disney is the new balance teacher. Disney is the new emotional balance teacher, uh, surpassing our older religions. I believe that very much in terms of what they're do, you know, what they're bringing forward is they're better presenting balance. They're better presenting emotional balance than all of our old big religious structures. And maybe our better nature is uh, he he might have not intended for that like he might have had some nefarious ideas i mean he was giving money to the nazi yeah i don't <laughs> but yeah, i'm not uh, praising him although yeah. i think he was involved with rosicrucianism he and was. i don't know how much of this was intended but what i'm saying is disney is doing a very good job of teaching emotional balance especially picking up with uh with bringing star wars on board and mm-hmm. i'm not giving these things romantic uh mystical powers i'm just saying the storytelling is is, uh, is updating from the older versions of these stories. Nice. Uh, Thomas, JJ, you got any uh, final thoughts? That was interesting. Um, I'm very hesitant to adopt what seems to be a heterodox position on some of the things you talked about, but on a lot of this other stuff, I'm very sympathetic. I'm very sympathetic to the idea that people operate within constructs and then those constructs are often narrative in nature Mm -hmm. i don't know that that's always been true that might be an artifact of developing language but that's Mm -hmm. a whole nother question that i'm probably not qualified to even (laughs) dip a toe into basic tribalism but yeah that that stuff you know i'm down with the sickness there but i'm still i'm still very hesitant like i think that there are a lot of reasons to doubt the relationship between a very brief existing Egyptian monotheistic cult in the 14th century and the monotheism that developed in the Israelite nation. Yeah, it's been it's been um, definitely rebuttaled by early uh, all Western world. Definitely would want to rebuttal that hard right up front. I'm saying uh, there's plenty of evidence to help. Uh, prove that. Not that I have to convince you of everything, but I'm just saying I think there's plenty of information that might be more convincing for you. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot better. of that to me is a lot of that to me is initiatic groups, like uh, you know, uh, essentially what we have now is secret societies. But prior, they were um, these kind of they were initiatic mystical groups that were often had magic ris- ritual involved. But a lot of them were um, multi-religious. And so it was kind of the doorway. Like what happened in Egypt kind of was the doorway into this form of uh, maybe a different form of thinking when it comes to like gnosis and and uh, kind of the, the way the, the initiatics would use progressive thought. Uh, transcendental altered states of consciousness to help develop new forms of thought. I mean, that's the big thing to me is you look at the founding fathers of science and like all those dudes were into weird occult shit. And like, so it was probably, they got into weird occult shit, you know, look like you look at like John D and stuff, they got into weird occult shit. And then through 
the transcendental altered state stuff, science awoke in them and they were able to see the patterns. And not only that, but see that we are, we're all actors. Who said, like, who said that, that the world's a stage and we're all actors? Shakespeare. Exactly. Another Rosicrucian. And I like when you try psilocybin, like you kind of see as everything like this feels like a show. This feels like if you, especially if you're around I mean, a, lot done a lot of people. I've a lot of psilocybin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you could say, I, I, like I, my, my wife said, you're an actor one time to me. And I was like, uh, what? <laughs> and, um, you know, it, 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 we do. And I think that's why maybe the art form and many of these art forms have developed. I mean, no, I don't know you, if I'm sympathetic to some of that. Pythagoras. I mean, the word hypocrites, which Jesus uses yeah. so often, is referring to acting. And I, I'm not 100% because I'm not following you 100%, but I do recognize that what we're talking about in acting is emotional mm-hmm. force, emotional directing. So when you, give, when you give a performance, and the reason why Jordan Peterson is so popular is because he's not just um, reading uh, the facts. He's, the Deepak Chopra of Christianity. Yeah, he's, he's strongly emoting the whole time. And so that's a performance. That's an yeah. acting performance that attaches <laughs> young people. And so there is some certain power. Charismos. And that's why it's a cult of personality where mm-hmm. you're able to emote or act in such a way that you strongly affect your audience. Um, mm-hmm. So there is a certain power to that. But um, I wanted to say thank you guys for, for letting me uh, speak on things. And um, I appreciate you guys rebuttaling and giving, giving, good, giving good feedback on that. And uh, I'm not saying I got it all figured out. But these are four areas that I think if they were developed by smart guys and smart ladies or, you know, working on this, I think we could definitely mm, affect uh, Western thought. And these are these are the topics that largely mm, guide Western thought. And and so if we uh, help develop these things, we might get further down the road. What um, what would you say your kind of end goal for? society would be like if you could accomplish you know uh, an end task what, what would that be how would you describe you know, that sure a lot of my um initial teaching or understanding of this kind of thinking actually comes from bruce lee so bruce lee teaches all of this monoculture multiculture stuff and um explains the multiculture or the monoculture is sort of crystallization the hard formation of an old structure versus the fast, loose, easily changeable water should be like the nature of water, which is the multiculture, fast, rapid changing. What we call regulation is uh, coming from this boat idea of small, rapid adjustments to, to guide culture in a more healthy and safe path. And so hopefully we become more multicultural in being able to scientifically update data to guide culture rather than guiding culture through you better wear this weird religious item or I'm going to smack you in the face. So we start to guide, we guide culture through logical, fast, rapid data-based changes Uh, that would, and I, and, and that we don't form new hard cultures. Part of what Bruce Lee did was 
He named his philosophy Jeet Kune Do, but he was also somewhat fearful of giving it a name, uh, knowing that it would also eventually form a monoculture. So he very much focused on, let's not worry about the exact label, the exact name, the exact colors, the exact rituals surrounding our structure. Let's keep our structure free and loose and changeable as fast as we need it. Um, and so I, that would be my goal is to say, let's get um, out of monocultural structure quicker and right. understand data around us faster. Right. I, I you know, I see uh, a similarity in what you're seeing, saying there about Jeet Kune Do and, and with the flexibility and, and all of that. And uh, I think that uh, also, you know, the esoteric groups put such an uh, emphasis on ineffability and kind of uh, keeping they, they want to stay looking forward mm -hmm. whereas uh, with a monoculture you're often looking backward correct and so uh, you know you like a conservative mm -hmm. and a liberal you know, worldview. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, I'm, I'm super interested and I'm very interested in to further discuss and develop these ideas about art and, um, propaganda. And because I came to the conclusion that magic is just marketing. Correct. Like, That's you know, my conclusion that, as well. um, and, uh, I think that once we start to really get our heads wrapped around that. And not only that, but kind of the way that like, I think we're going to start doing war a lot differently. Um, and I, I think that the, uh, the Reddit attack on wall street is a great mm -hmm. example of um, an ideological war being uh, waged on so many things at once. And it's really strange because you people will cross divides they refuse to call uh cross on some of these new ideas any and even cons conspiracy theory ideas you know that it seems like the new ideology i like systems are a little bit more uh intense and fast and dangerous uh yeah. so it's speed is the uh speed is part of this equation and right. uh, we talk about the monoculture being this big big bulky boxer that can really put you down in one in one punch whereas the multiculture being a younger uh flexible culture has mm -hmm. to learn to outspeed and outmaneuver I the like monoculture that. and what's and what we're seeing with these meme stocks yeah it's interesting it's super interesting man i i loved it thank you so much guys thank you for uh uh you know setting this up uh, we did it all short notice improvised and i absolutely oh, nice. love it yeah like it's cool to have somebody that really you know you are really connected with on this on this episode i've really enjoyed that it's going to be like next week theoretically next week's episode where it's, it's kind of going to be like me shouldering <laughs> most of the episode and, uh, it's it's going to be rough oh yeah i'm i'm going to make popcorn <laughs> and i think i think what another important part of this for me is and why i wanted you, us to all have this conversation is um 
I think maybe what you and I find so appealing, maybe everybody finds so appealing about David Smalley is um, you can see his compassion really shine through when he communicates uh, with Christians and with, with really anybody. And so uh, that's that to me is the probably going to be the most powerful tool in the, uh, well, there's that. And then there's the offensive tool. And I would love to hear what Sean's thoughts on humor and comedy are, because um, I look at comedians now as prophets, like the prophets of the Old Testament are the comedians of today. And some of them suck and some of them are good and and some of them are <laughs> crazy. Um, and that I'm and that's what I first Jim Jeffries versus five thirty seven through thirty nine. <laughs> yeah. Just look at like Carlin, man. He Carlin was was really deep on his political commentary. Same with Chappelle and stuff like that. Strong, strong storytellers and, um, you know, willing to really challenge stuff and, and be offensive. And that's, you know, I'd love to hear that. And maybe we can do another episode on something like that. Or maybe, Sean, you can come over to the Mystic Anarchist and we can do an episode on um, the emotional effect of like maybe uh, we can t- pick several emotional effects and really I, I dig feel like. It. The conversation um, that you would really fit in on Elias's show, The Mystic Anarchist. Uh, sorry, I didn't have a lot of input today. <laughs> it was kind of outside of my area, but uh, I think that that would actually be perfect. Right on. Yeah, I, I would enjoy that whenever y'all want to set something up like that. And, and I, again, I really appreciate you guys um, having me uh, share some ideas that I've been frustrated in, in sharing in the past because this is a this is a lot of difficult emotionally challenging information and it's mm-hmm. hard to find it's hard to find platforms to share this information uh, yeah and people get really high strung about it because it it jumps the borders of like just religious things like it kind of pulls all of them into the the equation right the political views and the mm-hmm. religious views and so on and so forth so it's real easy that if you are really holding tightly to one particular view or the other you're probably going to get mad <laughs> it's yeah, really that, weird to you yeah. know it's, it's strange to me because even on you know the uh like a, the side of like a, a democratic view that they might have a lot of problems with what you're saying. You know, you know, the, the major, the stereotypical liberal, perhaps, I don't know. It, yeah. It, it, challenging emotional centers is a very, yeah, you get anger a, a lot. Subject. Yeah. Yep. Well, it sounds like we've got a lot of common goals though. So. Um, yep. Yeah. And that's yeah. what I, that's what I thought. I was like, this feels like an ally um, against the lunacy of, QAnon alt-right world and uh yeah uh, i'm i think i think we're these are the kind of thoughts i think that come out of a new enlightenment like an enlightenment or these are the thoughts that come out of um a renaissance like how do we reform um and redevelop and kind of wash all the dirt or not necessarily wash off the dirt, but knock off the dead weight, you know, mm-hmm. to carry this, um, not necessarily carry myths forward, but carry humanity forward. Right. And so 
uh yeah i loved it guys thank you so much for um giving me the the opportunity to do all this and sean thank you peace thank you guys yeah see ya thank you all right